Hi, I'm Warren Davies, the Unbreakable Farmer, and welcome to the Beyond the Back Paddock podcast, where I have the privilege to be joined by some amazing people I get to meet in my travels and share their stories and wisdom with you. After all, one of the most powerful assets of any community is the shared wisdom, and the best way to share that wisdom is through storytelling. So sit back and I hope you enjoy today's episode. G'day, welcome back to the podcast. After having a week off due to some technical difficulties and some travelling that I've been doing across Australia, we're we're back today and our guest is a coach, a connector, author, artist and poet. After spending most of his working career in the banking industry developing teams and people, today's guest took a leap of faith and left the banking industry to follow, uh, to co-found Minds on Purpose, a business that's passionate about helping people live with purpose, clarity and choice. I'm really wrapped today to welcome to the podcast, Nathan Karkeek. Welcome, mate. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Oz. It's um, it's great to be here chatting with you as always. I love our chats. Um, This one's just a little bit more formal than normal, but uh, certainly great to be here. Mate, there's nothing formal about this podcast, as you'll find out. We'll just roll with the punches as we go. Um, as I always promise, uh, um, our listeners don't expect a um, a multimedia extravaganza. You're just going to get what you get, and hopefully that comes through with our um, the the authentic conversations that I have with the guests that we're having on the podcast, or I'm lucky to talk to. So, mate, I really, I just want to start with how we met. Um, you know, obviously, um, as I've said in the intro, that you spent, uh, you know, basically uh, your working career in the banking industry. I just, um, can you remember that first time that we met? Because I can remember it pretty well. <laughs> I can. I can. We, we met over a coffee and we we're chatting about uh, the work that you're now doing in terms of speaking. And it was very early on um, in terms of your, uh, your speaking career was. Um, and talking about some uh, upcoming events that ANZ could potentially uh, have you as part of with our initial initial catch-up or chat. Um, I have a feeling we knew each other, though. We certainly knew of each other before that, too, was. Yeah, we definitely did. And, and obviously, um, your career in banking was within, within agribusiness, so obviously being a farmer... Um, Relying, relying on bank managers, um, I definitely knew who you were and, and where you were at and obviously we've um, a couple of mutual friends or um, uh, mutual people within that with banking industry that I knew that were helping me out and, and I kind of knew about you in the background before we formally met. Um, so just tell me a bit about that life of, of a banker. Um, it's obviously far removed from what you do now, or I, I think it is. It's probably not. It's probably really connected. But um, it's removed from that, that corporate environment that, that you were in. So just tell me a bit about that banking um, background and, and actually where it led you, um, you know, both um, professionally, obviously, um, but also um, the impact that it had on you through that career. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I was um, incredibly fortunate to, to have a uh, you know, 17-year banking career. Um, and I say fortunate, it, um, it probably led to a, well, not probably, it led to a place that wasn't that fortunate for me. And uh, you, you uh, started in my intro was saying I uh, had the courage to leave banking. Um, uh, you know, it was one of those scenarios where it, it wasn't all that much courage. I just didn't have a choice. Um, so physically and mentally, I was I was burnt out, and um, it ultimately led to to having three major health incidents in a, in a short period of time. So I had a, uh, um, a squamous cell cancer taken off my lip. I had a seizure that left me in hospital for ten days, and I had a third of my liver taken out. Um, and on top of that, I was under the care of urologist because my PSA levels were through the roof. So um, that was the culmination of a 17-year of a uh, banking career that, that um, jolted the change into doing something else. But if I reflect on your question was about the career itself, I was really fortunate. Um, ag science at Dookie, home under the dairy farm, was a dairy farmer myself, loved the land, loved cows, loved loved ag. Um, my brother come home onto the farm. It wasn't big enough for both of us. So I jumped off, did some agronomy and managed a merchandise store, rural merchandise store. Um, a lot of that driving up and down driveways, doing drench programs for people. And um, for me, it was uh, the first time I, I really understood my love of people and people development uh, when I got to to do that sort of leadership role within a, um, uh, you know, within that uh, that business. And I fell into banking. As a lot of people fall into a career, um, I fell into banking because they were after people with ag experience and started my journey in, as an assistant manager, worked my way through banking as a teller or not a teller. I went actually straight in as a, a branch manager, which I was fortunate, but had a lot of support from tellers teaching me uh, core banking, even though I was I was their leader. Um, I learned a lot about core banking from those teams. Um, and then fortunate enough to have a portfolio of relationship clients, ag relationship clients of my own, and then um, uh, the last 11 years of my... So it was a pretty quick rise into some senior leadership roles and um, the last 11 years of my banking career was leading um, teams in the commercial and ag segments from 1 million to 30 million in business lending. Um, so firstly across central New South Wales. Uh, so I had a team from Sydney, Lake Angelico, Burke, Lightning Ridge and Mudgee and through that area and then back here. And it seems small when you say it quickly. Um, and then uh, back here, I had and Pendico and, and uh, Ballarat and at Denny at times, and the, the borders just keep changing. Um, but I learned so much was, um, so what started out as an opportunity to get in and, and do some stuff around ag and, and be around people and led very quickly to, to leading te- leading teams, developing teams, developing people and getting a lot of exposure to some large large businesses across different geographies. So. Uh, I was incredibly, I am incredibly grateful for what I learned through that period of time. And um, where that led me to was understanding that I have a real passion for people development um, and, and, and ultimately uh, I was surrounded by some great people when I finished my banking career um, that supported me and um, gave me to some exposure, I guess, was to some holistic tools I'd never been exposed to before, which gave me the courage to, to do some different things, to, to embrace some poetry and embrace some uh, art um, and, and ultimately go down a, a path that 
the, the coaching path that I'm on now. So obviously me following your journey, um, this transition kind of took place a little bit bit by bit and the poetry probably come first, would I be right in saying? And that was right. part, of, part of your healing as well, like a part of you um, transitioning out of that, um, you know, where you were at both um, professionally and um, physically and mentally, um, the poetry, was that something that helped you um, move forward? It was. I'd, I'd written a lot of poetry as a kid. Um, and, you know, when you grow up on a dairy farm, was and you play footy and um, and then you move into a corporate world, um, poetry, you know, unfortunately, um, certainly I know for me growing up as a kid, I didn't feel that poetry was an accepted part of of any of those uh, uh, lives or lifestyles. Um, now, I look back, I was pretty naive, right? Because um, we can be a lot of things at once in a lot of different industries. Um, but that was my naivety and, and that's what I thought. So I left it very much behind at the time. And um, it gave me the opportunity when when I needed some time to heal. So it took six months off, basically not doing much, uh, when I um, uh, when I left the bank and um, found myself writing a poetry book, and, and it was it was great healing. Found myself doing art that I never thought I uh, I would or could do, um, but but found it great for what I needed at that point in time, and and a great way to to really express myself um, in a very different way than I had done for a long time. So just going back is an interesting thing, and look, as I said, this podcast is a is not a um, big grand million kind of downloads kind of podcast, but I do get feedback from from people there, you know, blokes that are sitting in tractors or people from rural communities, and something that you've just hit on, um, just going back a little bit, talking about growing up in that rural community and you know poetry not fitting that part of that. I suppose that, you know, the idea of who you, you are meant to be in that community, like, and I think you'll agree with me, rural communities are fantastic places, but they can also um, be negative places at the same time where they try and pigeonhole people into certain um, parts. So it's amazing that you picked up on something that was quite um, what you thought didn't fit the bill uh, in poetry and then picked it up later on and found it quite therapeutic and, um, you know, and, and something that you some or way of expressing yourself as well because, you know, that knowing, you know, from my small town and, and the town that you grew up in that if, you know, if you weren't the, you know, football and cricket and all that sort of stuff, you didn't kind of fit the mould. So doing something, in anything that was outside of that, you were kind of looked at kind of a little bit differently? Absolutely. So, um, I think having having the backgrounds that we, you know, growing up regionally, it's, um, uh, you know, it's evident for us early, um, even though it's, you know, reality it's not, but we certainly feel it is and we put that on ourselves early. No. Um, but it's really interesting. I don't think it's just regional. And, and I've, I've faced that again when I left banking and I started to um, re-enter, I guess, some of my own networks that I built through that uh, corporate career. 
and and certainly there's a lot of people um, in those roles or, or in businesses or business ownership uh, that certainly need some support and you come across them every day was in, in what you do and I come across them every day too but um, it was really interesting for me having um, utilized some holistic modalities um, in getting myself right physically and mentally and um, having learnt some of those holistic modalities and now using them with clients, um, I found myself, I guess, back to where I was before, unwilling to talk about things with that network. Um, so it was actually quite a transition for me to, uh, I thought it was a big transition for me to do poetry and, and art, um, yep. and it was. Um, I found it just as big a transition for me to talk to my old corporate network about some of the holistic tools that I use in coaching. Um, yeah. And so I found that challenge all over again, um, which I've you know, managed over the last, particularly over the last 12 months, I think, to, to work my way through and embrace and, and navigate in some things like um, conscious entrepreneurs, et cetera, now um, in a more focal way of understanding that um, it's it's great for people to embrace. Um, yeah, embrace just them. just knowing, knowing your story and, and you can answer this, you can answer it or not answer it. That's up to you. But um, obviously, we've had plenty of discussions on the phone and and talking. Can you um, tell me about the day where you realised that your banking career was done? Apart from you know the other health issues, can you 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 we've um we've talked about this before i reckon on the phone but can, do you that one day that you realized that that was it you know you couldn't do it anymore yeah um the one of the things with growing up regionally is you build resilience and you learn a lot about resilience as you're growing up um and then one of the things in banking is you learn a lot about resilience um and so i thought i knew a lot about resilience and for, for me resilience was bust always made sure that with my own staff i'd say to them you know don't be silly take some time look after yourself um you know don't be a hero you don't need to be um you know look after yourself get yourself right um even though i took that approach with my staff internally for me um and it became even a little bit of a running joke with, with some of my very close team members uh, was, you know, oh, I can run through brick walls. Um, and the reality of it is I thought I could keep running through brick walls until I couldn't. And even through my health issues, um, it made me more and more determined to create change. Um, and when you're passionate about something and you're, even if you don't have um, uh, fully that, purpose in it you you look for that purpose in it because you want to create change you want it to be purposeful what you're doing and so you'll look for things to change to try and make it better um and i was in that place where i absolutely wanted to make things better in the organization i was working with um and you're looking for things to try and do that and so you become um in within that resilience you become almost um that dogged approach to just keep going and going and going and going. And the the day that I realised I couldn't keep going was was something that wasn't um, wasn't expected for me. So for me, I'd, um, I'd come back from each of my own health issues 
you know, the day that I was able to each time and then just come back harder and harder and harder. Um, in hindsight, certainly didn't help my career if I was getting along with anyone, but I just come back harder and harder and more determined to create change. Um, but the day that I finished banking was um, a day I had to tell my team that one of my team members was off working definitely and um, she'd had a second bout of cancer and at that stage it didn't look like she was going to come back to work. And I'd got about three quarters of the way through. Uh, we called all the team in on, on you know, was it, I um, dialed them all in um, from all their different locations and I got about three quarters of the way through that and I started to break down. Um, and I just got through the end of it and I walked to the car and I, I broke down. Um, and for me, that was that moment that I knew, hey, uh, I'm not I'm not right. Um, I'm not good here. Um, and I actually took myself off to the doctor that day. Um, and, you know, consequently, post that, found out a lot about stress and anxiety and about the, the levels of stress and anxiety that I'd been carrying for a long period of time and, um, and then learnt a lot about how to, to manage them or start managing them. Um, so it certainly wasn't something was that I thought would be my day to understand that. And, um, and you know, like everything, when you're in it, you don't see it. And so for me, I, I didn't see it coming. It wasn't a, it wasn't a gradual thing. It was, um, I look back now, it was absolutely a gradual thing that the health issues that I was having, that the mental state that I was in, it's absolutely gradual. But for me at the time, I didn't see it as gradual. Um, it, it come like being hit by a sledgehammer. Yeah. And I think that, Kind of that re why I wanted you to share that is because it kind of resonates a little bit with my story of you know that picking yourself up, dusting yourself off, and just moving forward and without paying any respect to your own well-being or understanding that you're the number one asset in your life and you need to take care of yourself. And you know resilience is all fine, picking yourself up and dusting yourself off, but if at the same time you're spiraling out of control, it's not. It's not a good destination to be heading in, and 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 you know resilience to me now is that is having the courage to stop, and you know, and also reassessing, and maybe taking a different path, or you know, some of the things that is not the true definition of you know, um, you know, withstanding or recovering from difficulties. It's you know, sometimes, or in my situation, resilience resembled the lack of any other options. You know, I had to keep going and that's what I thought as a farmer, I had to keep going. So and you're in the same boat thinking that, you know, you had to keep breaking through those brick walls and eventually, you know, you bounce off one of them eventually and that's, you know, where you found yourself. So so how did the poetry and art, obviously as the start of this now journey that you're on, um, that helped heal and then when... You know, obviously that was part of your um, role within banking was to develop people, but how did um, Minds on Purpose kind of then become a reality out of, you know, poetry and art, uh, and art <laughs> which basically yeah. that's how it left. Yeah, well, well my now business partner, um, Annette Dickens, was um, uh, running a business called Above the Line Thinking over in Bendigo and, Anita, I'd met Anita through um, Lead Lobby Murray, so the, the fairly leadership equivalent um, um, based over in Bendigo. And um, Anita was the chair of Lead Lobby Murray at the time, and I'd um, spoken at their conference a couple of years before, I did, did a workshop at their conference as part of the bank, and then I was key, keynote speaker um, at uh, the following year's 
conference um, talking about the economy um, yes. and change. And um, it's it's interesting. I got to know Anita, and um, post post banking, I actually was was chatting with Anita, and we we're talking about where she was at and where I was at, and um, it sort of just clicked that we should do some stuff together. And um, and that was that looked like team workshops at the time. So going in and doing um, wellness wellness type workshops as well as vision and values purpose, um, helping teams and people understanding who they are. And that's something that resonated with me a lot because in my corporate world, I always made sure that the teams that I led um, had, were, you know, really, really clear around their purpose, uh, really, really clear around their vision, uh, what we're trying to create as a team and, and how we measured that in something that I was really passionate about that, um, you know, if anyone's doing anything from a business perspective, if you're working for a team, you need to know why why you're doing it um, and, and be connected to that. So um, for me, it, it made sense. It was something that I was actually passionate about and I had the opportunity to, to start doing some stuff. And um, through through those early conversations, um, it became evident that we were both driven by a lot of the same things, by the same values. Um, we wanted to create some of the same things. and and at that time, um, Anita actually was a spiral practitioner. Um, so that's a holistic modality that uses kinesiology to locate attachments to emotions, um, a lot of them from childhood. Um, it uses EFT uh, tapping to help clear those emotions and move through those emotions. And it uses neurolinguistic programming to, to help, um, uh, I guess, reset where you're at. Um, at the moment, what it's going to be like going forward. And um, Anita actually put me through um, the spiral. And I went, wow, okay, this isn't anything like I thought I'd be doing, a little bit like the poetry. And uh, and, and art, again, it was another experience of, okay, uh, I did think I'd be uh, uh, signing up to this type of, type of thing. But, but man, it helped um, and it worked. And um, I found myself, um, you know, really... Um, seeking the knowledge that, that Anita had and the guidance um, that Anita gave. And um, so we ended up joining joining forces was and um, and rebranding uh, into the business minds on purpose um, with that real drive for, for helping people understand their passion and, and have choice in what they, they do. And um, we started doing some team workshops and, and Anita said to me, you'll be doing the spiral um, you know, yourself with clients. I said, no, no, I'll stick to the business stuff you can do the holistic stuff it works but I'll, I'll promote it because it works but but uh you do the holistic stuff and i'll do the business stuff and uh it wasn't long before she she was you know on the money and uh and i studied the the, the spiral modality myself and now utilize it with clients um so yeah that's that's how that come about was so um how so obviously in a in a in a, in a corporate situation you you know, they get you to come in and and talk about this. How how is that received, like with by management? Because obviously you're there to, you know, basically change the mindset, give people choice, as you said, and the choice might be to no longer work in that organisation. So how how is that received, like because, you know, I, I've witnessed and experienced some of the work that you do, and it is it's it can be life changing. So. 
um, how is that received? Is um, <laughs> do they get you back half the half their half their workforce leaves because you've um, you've talked about stuff, you know to give them choice and, and purpose in life, and they might no longer see purpose in the role that they're doing. So, how does that work? Yeah, so you're spot on, right? Purpose, clarity, and choice. It's what we aim to deliver. And, um, and you know, from a team perspective was, and we do a lot of, we do a lot of, uh, yeah, early days was interesting because you're right. That was that was probably the experience early days. Um, get in and you, you blow the team up and they go, hang on, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, one of the things that, one of the things that, that we make sure that we do is um, we make sure that, the, the team wants it, and so whether that's the owner or the leader, um, but we make sure that they're really, really clear around what they're trying to create. So, if if they're after a uh, a ticker box wellness workshop, then um, certainly the stuff that we have delivered isn't what they're after. Um, and so, generally, um, we really preface it with. Um, what we do will will really get people to think about whether or not um, they are really bought into where they are, if they are connected to where they are, um, if that's what they want to be doing. And so um, making sure that as we go into businesses, we help them get really clear if they're not already really clear around what their values are, really clear around what their purpose is. Um, helping them create a vision if they haven't got one. Um, and why that's really, really important is it's really hard to articulate to your staff when they start understanding what they're driven by, when they start pausing and reflecting around their own purpose and values. It's really hard to articulate to your team of people why they should be with you and why they should be brought in if you don't know it yourself. And so one of the things that counteracts that massive blow-up was is having the team really, really clear around what the team exists for or the business itself exists for and what values they have and how they go about things. Because as people start to understand themselves, it gives them choice then. And it makes sure that um, they are then brought in in the right way to what they're doing or gives them the option to go and find the things that they love and they are brought into. And it gives that business the opportunity to go out and find people who share their values, who share their passions. Um, so, you know, ultimately get the right people in their team. So you're right, was it creates chaos, right? It, when people start yeah. to pause and reflect for a few minutes, it creates chaos. But um, it's beautiful chaos when people realise that they have choice, when businesses realise that they have choice, when leaders realise that they have choice. Um, and that starts with having clarity and it starts with, um, having clarity around those purpose and values. And I think that's one of the important things in business, like using, uh, which I like to do, football analogies, and I'm a Richmond supporter and like reading the books on the success that Richmond had, you know, through the 2016-17 season with doing the Triple H um, exercise in front of him, you know, in that masculine environment exposing vulnerabilities and, and people getting a better understanding of, Basically, they're workmates because you know they're in a footy team, but they're in a professional environment. They're workmates, and and then getting more buy-in in the program, which led to success. You know, 
not that mightn't happen or eventuate as quickly as it did for for Richmond at that stage. But um, you you listen or read any book from any player from that that period of time, and every one of them pin back pinpoint their success to that one session where they all had to get up and and in front of the you know, in front of their teammates and be as vulnerable, you know, Triple H, what's that stand for? Hero, hardship and something else. So I can't remember what the third H is, but I'll look that up and have to put it in the show notes. But that's what it stood for. And so they all talked about this uh, this stuff and become really vulnerable, which then, you know, gave better connection to their to the, the playing group, which then gave them better buy into the system that they were trying to achieve. So is is that kind of you know, once you get people with clarity and purpose, that gives better buy into um once you, the leaders are on board or everything's aligned, that gives better buy into what the business is trying to achieve. It absolutely it does. Um it, it gives a significant amount of buy in. I think the other part, what you touched on there was, is um, there's there's special moments when you're creating a team or when you're when you're creating a business that's a little bit bigger than even that that buy-in. And um, if I think about Richmond, you know, um, uh, you know the um, the gem stuff beforehand that with Hugh Van Cullenberg, you know, yeah. gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness, um, yeah. and um, and just how that landed, um, even with um, you know doing a gratitude journal, simple, yep. simple little thing. Like I, I forget the, the number of days that Dustin Martin kept that that diary going. I'm not sure if he still got it, but but there was a famous yep. quote about how many days he 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 done it back to back. Um, but there's some little things that that people start to um, and so they start to learn more and more about themselves, and they start to learn more and more about how they're either linked to that or not linked to that. So ultimately, it's great to have that thing that they're striving for together, but but it's it's that individual learning more around why they are driven towards that or why they're not driven towards that that become the special little moments because that's when they really make that step change. And, um, and it's not just footy-wise. You look back at uh, Chicago Bull and Phil Jackson and some of the things that yep. he was employed back then um long before it was accepted in in any sporting world um the things that they were doing and it all comes back to to these same same principles people uh really understanding people tapping into more of, of who they are um and using um uh, using a, a range of modalities to help to help do that you know certainly no meditation was was big uh, mantras are big um but but, but it's about clarity um, clarity, choice, and, and making sure that people uh, learn more about themselves and how they get there on that journey. So, for people like me, when we first discussing started discussing all this stuff and going, "Wow, this is all a bit woohoo!" This stuff for me. Can you explain a little bit more about Spiral? A little bit about all the other modalities that you use to unlock unlock these gems out of people like um and look yeah we could go you've um i've experienced this firsthand so i understand that it does work but it does at the same time think well you know but you know i've got my own well i've got a whiteboard here that's full that 
when we first when we were discussing this one day was empty and it's now full so it's just there's something in it um can you explain what that something is or explain a little bit more about those modalities for people that don't understand that are listening and thinking well what is all this about can you explain a little bit deeper what those modalities are about and and how they're practiced or 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 how you implement them yeah um I, I will start with uh, uh, what you've just led into, though, too, was is that um, you've experienced it. Um, and although I think what I'm hearing you say is although you can't explain it, it unlocked something. It definitely, say, it? it definitely did. It definitely did, mate. It definitely did. And it was a, like a bit spooky when you come up with a number and, um, and yeah, there was a lot of relevance around all of that and... It was just, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a, a very, it's challenging because you've got to, when when you experience something like this for the first time, it, it is challenging because you, you're trying to, to um, you know, logically explain how, but I can't, I can't explain. I And that's why I'm hoping that you might be able to explain a little bit more articulately than I can about these modalities and, and, and how they work or, or what you understand from your learning, how they work within in somebody because I can physically show you how this works but I can't logically explain how it works. Yeah, absolutely. You, you've, you've felt the effect of it and you've seen the effect of it um, but how, how that happened is, is a mystery. Um, I'll, I'll do my best, Was I think there's um, uh, there'll be people that could explain this in far more depth and detail than, than I'll even try to begin to at the moment around um, our energetic body, um, around the where we hold uh, or how we hold emotions in our energetic body or within our body and the attachment to the emotions within our body, um, how our nervous system works, um, how we're all connected, um, it, it all goes into the work that that we do. Um, but to simplify for, for this conversation was, and because I'm not an expert in, in any of those fields, but to simplify it for this, if we think about our body holding attachments to emotions, and so we, we have something that's triggered us at a point in time or something that's an event that's happened, uh, we store that in our body. Um, and for the modality that, that I practice, which is the spiral, we're using a technique um, that we borrow from kinesiology called muscle testing. And so what we're doing is we're actually asking your subconscious body for your answers, not your brain. And so we're actually measuring your answers from your subconscious body, not your answers that you're trying to think of in your brain. And we do that by muscle testing. Um, and so your body will will give us the answer, um, and that's through your energetic body will give us the answer, not, not your brain. Um, and so when we're locating those attachments, was, uh, you know, like our... Like our process there was um an emotion that that was blocking you from really allowing yourself to to do some things that you wanted to do um and we located an age that you had that attachment 
Um, and it was your subconscious body that gave me those answers, not me asking them out of your head or me trying to, to guess them or make them up. Um, and so that's what we do. We, we, we go in and we um, ask uh, that subconscious body for, for those answers and get those answers. And um, like the process that you went through was, you get to reflect straight away on that age, on that emotion. Um, you knew exactly what it was. It made a lot of sense to you mentally. Uh, and then you get to go and find it in your body. And so um, the, the process that we utilise um, and, and then clear it, obviously, too, was to be able to move further through it. And we use the EFT tapping, um, so emotional freedom um, technique tapping to, to move that from your body, um, which, um, uh, you know, which, is, which is gaining popularity now. And um, certainly from an anxiety perspective, it, it gets used a lot more often. Um, PTSD, it's, it's now um, being used quite heavily uh, for those things. But the reality of it is it helps you uh, locate and re remove uh, or not remove, but neutralise, take that attachment to that emotion back to back to neutral. And um, the modality that I practice is called the spiral. We we actually do uh, 21 emotions over a 10 week period, and um, so it's 10 sessions, and it's like a rewire of body. We go in and find the first three times that you had an attachment to an emotion, um, and then. Um, people get to make sense of that mentally, but they also get to make sense of that physically. So they'll go and find where that emotion is stored in their body and they'll explain it in detail, which is you know, really weird for us to sit here and, and try and explain it. Um, but when people do it, uh, we know it's real because they, you know, if we asked them to make up the craziest stuff that they could think of, they just couldn't make up what they end up finding um, when, they, when they find those emotions and then they... Um, take that charge back to neutral and, and, and move through. Um, so it gives the body um, gives the body a rewire over that time, which allows people to get clearer and clearer around who they are now, around the things that they want now, and, and who they want to be whilst they're doing those doing those things. Um, and it starts to give them back choice. So um, I haven't done a great job of uh, explaining that in detail, was but. Um, um, but without trying to complicate it, it is locating in the subconscious body what is holding them back, bringing that into their conscious, allowing them to clear it both emotionally and um, uh, energetically uh, to be able to move forward. I think one of the, I suppose, from my experience, it was moving past that internal dialogue, that story that you're telling yourself in your head because you weren't asking the question to my head. It was you were asking it to my subconscious and not to my head. So that internal dialogue that that you, you know, that story that you can either fabricate or um, embellish or whatever in your head that's telling you something, it was totally it's coming from a different place and all of a sudden it exposes stuff and it, and it, look, it can be confronting. Um, I'm sure that there's, there's been plenty of times when you've had clients and it becomes fairly confronting for them as well. Uh, obviously mine, it wasn't too far to find where my blockage was because it's, it's part of my story, um, which everyone that comes to listen to one of my talks basically hears, but that is also, it was also a block and, you know, 
without going, as you said, going in any deeper, that experience just turned my year around. And it was a simple, um, you know, a simple little thing. Um, and, you know, everyone, anyone that's listening is probably thinking, you know, the same as what I was when I first finished thinking this is, you know, a bit too far out there for me. But at the end of the day, when I look back, I can only pinpoint to that day and everything turned around um, and nothing else I put into place at that stage. There's lots of things I've put into place since that stage that have helped, um, you know, create more and more. But what was that, what was the initial starting point was that day. And so, yeah. I can only thank you for that, but um, but it's also yeah, it's it's just mind blowing. That's why I always you know I've been trying, we've been trying to have this conversation for a while just to explain it because it and and it's probably is something that you can't explain, and even yourself as a practitioner can't explain. But you've just got to you know basically that word that we've been using, have that buy in, just be um, open minded enough to experience it and see where it leads. Yeah, I think that's um, that's exactly what it was when it's really hard to it is really hard to describe and it's really hard to describe the feeling on what changes um, and um, but it's it's one of those things where I, I feel so privileged to be able to do the work that I do because you go really really deep really really quick with people um, and so it's no surface stuff. You're hitting on on some pretty heavy stuff really really quickly, but it, it's also the opportunity for that person to do something with that. Um, and so, like you said, was you can't uh, you know it's hard to pinpoint anything else but that moment. But you can certainly look at all of the other things that you did post that. Yeah, and you're able to put them in place and do it and. Um, and that's the thing that makes the change. So when people are ready for this work, um, that's what we see happen. They, um, it's almost like they can see those that path in front of them now, and they just make that stuff happen. Um, yep. And so you know, it is a real privilege to to be able to to do this work. And um, there's certainly days where you go, "Wow, okay, that was heavy." Um, yeah. And, and I've had to learn a lot about how to protect my own energy and how to um, you know, step aside from some of those things whilst supporting people uh, emotionally and mentally. Um, but it's not my problem. It's not my issue. And so being able to not take that on myself but then but absolutely support them um, authentically in the best way that you can, it's, it's been a real learning for me because if I look back at my corporate career was you as a um, as an early leader you tend to take everything on um, and that really doesn't change you just keep taking it on and taking it on and taking it on and everyone else's problems become your problems and that's at home and it's at work and um, uh, you know I had to let all that go when I left and so to then start doing some of this work it's really employing those practices of that, that, that I started to learn when uh, when I had to <laughs> Um, around how you can step aside from that and protect your own energy and protect yourself uh, whilst so being able to hold space for others. 
So it's very interesting because that's something that I get asked quite often is, you know, doing the work that I do and the conversations that I have, how do you look after yourself? And and it's a little bit hard to explain because, you know, during COVID I probably self-assessed um, myself as an empath and I do take on a lot of what I talk about. So just what are some of those tips and strategies that you use to protect your own energy and, and your own well-being when you're working with, you know, sometimes some fairly heavy heavy um, um, content with your clients. Yeah, so, um, and, you know, the, the irony is not lost on me was from a, a farming, you know, ag background and then finance background. The irony is not lost on me, but I, um, I did um, my Reiki 1 and 2 um, during my time off. And so I actually practiced Reiki on myself um, to help clear that or balance that energy. Um, I also, um, for, I use obviously the, the, the spiral modality that I use. I use, I locate any attachments to emotions that, that, that I need to, to clear and I use other methods within that as well. But one of the things that um, I always encourage my clients to do is just ground. So you don't, you don't need to know any modality to just ground yourself. You know, just sit down, put your hands and feet uh, on the ground and just let that energy come out and just just get out of your head for a bit. Uh, meditation is amazing. I, I can't recommend meditation highly enough and, and there's a direct correlation between clients that I have that meditate, clients that don't meditate in terms of the response that they get um, out of the coaching um, and so for me, it's you know, the first thing I do in a, in a coaching session was is we, that, you know, can be an executive coaching session. Uh, but first thing we do is meditation um, yeah. just to rechange it. And you would have been, well, you were in the room the other day, other than night was at the Conscious Entrepreneurs event where I did the meditation at the start. You instantly feel the change in that yeah. room. It's hard to describe, but you can feel the shift in that energy in that room and it just changes the scenario straight away to allow allow you to get deeper into it. So uh, meditation is, is a big one. Um, even just the simple act of grounding yourself or a, um, a body scan meditation where you're looking, just scanning your body for what, whatever you're feeling that isn't quite right and then, you know, literally just allowing that to pass and, and let that go. Um, so they're, they're, they're the three, probably the three key things that I recommend to, to my clients in terms of being able to... Um, help them. The other thing, which is um, a great one to use when you're on the job, is is the fact that your um, physiology can influence your psychology. And so, um, one of the things I'll often do if I'm doing group work is I'll get the group to feel or show me what standing when they are sad looks like. Show me what angry looks like. Um, you know, show me what being happy looks like. Um, and you, you see that physical shift. Um, but that same thing you can actually do to override your psychological state. So uh, if you're in a, a pretty heavy meeting um, that you need to get through and you're feeling pretty fired up and pretty angry, that physical standing up, bit of a smile, shake yourself off, um, you know, get yourself back into that happy mode, just even putting a smile on your face. Um, you can get yourself through that meeting. doesn't mean that you don't need to deal with what come up later. You absolutely need to go back and deal with it. Um, 
but just that shift in your uh, physiology can shift your psychology in that moment to allow you to get through it. So they're, they're probably the, the key things that I use was. Um, uh, just to add a little bit more to that, though, uh, in terms of a personal learn, um, listen to your body. So my body was absolutely screaming at me with physical illness um, as I was trying to run through brick walls and I wasn't listening. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I absolutely say is listen to your body. Um, you know, absolutely listen to it. And there's a lot of research around the heart. Um, and, you know, and, and um, if you look at Heart Math Institute, you, you look at um, a lot of things, the energy from our heart um, and, and influencing our brain. There's a lot of, of uh, research around the importance of our body, particularly our heart. Um, so, when people say listen to your heart, I'd say yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, spend some time listening to you, to yourself. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, it's an and it's amazing. Like and I talk in my presentations about having tools in your toolbox and it's a number of tools and whatever resonates with you and obviously yourself growing up in a small country town if you had had told your you know 15 year old self that you'd be into meditation and and stuff like that you probably would have you know yeah right whatever you reckon type of thing and it's but but it's finding the tool that helps you and what works and obviously as an ex-dairy farmer myself i did a a session uh suicide prevention network um brought all their team together and we did a, a session on part of that weekend retreat that they did where i was a speaker they also did some equine therapy and i never really understood that correlation of round the heart and the connection with the horse you know in the equine therapy and i was trying to explain it to to my wife and um and to and to my son's partner the other day and how the the horse can from a long distance off can actually understand how you're feeling and you know like this experiment we did it was in victor harbour and the lady said you watch you all so did similar thing to you like a bit of a meditation session and just everyone calmed down and bugger me dead the horse laid down in the middle of the paddock because it could it was connected to us all and it just went boom, and it just relaxed where it was a bit flighty and stamping its feet and all that and once we like you know close your eyes and just cleared our minds the horse just laid down it was just like you know, there's too much of this stuff happening and it's all starting to all add up. So, but it's not for everyone and, and you've got to find your own, your own tools, I suppose. So meditation mightn't be your tools, but grounding might be, or, you know, but you've got to find the tool that's right for you that you can use to, you know, help you, especially with around anxiety and, and stuff. And like in my space of, you know, anxiety and depression and stuff like that, if you can find a tool that, um, that's not a medication and you can use and implement on a daily basis it's really important to find these tools and that's why it's been it's been great to have you on to explain a little bit about what you do um i'm conscious of time here so i, I don't want to keep you too much longer but um I've got a number of questions I want to ask you towards the end that I've given you the heads up on, so you've had plenty of time to stew over these. But is there anything else that you'd like to to share about to what you do? Like any other you know things that stand out that you think would give people a better understanding of 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 what you do, or do you think we've covered it fairly well? Uh, yeah, no, I'm happy to give a, a really quick recap. 
was. So, yep. um, uh, so for me, if people have purpose um, and they get clarity around that purpose, it ultimately gives them choice. And clarity, purpose, and choice are the key values within within minds on purpose. And so when we look at any of the work that we do, whether it's with teams, whether it's with business owners, whether it's with um, individuals, um, it's all centered around them understanding more about themselves um, in order to work out what they're actually connected to, what their purpose is, what they're trying to achieve, and ultimately giving them choice. Um, because we all operate from a far better place mentally when we feel we've got choice. Um, yeah. And, so, yeah, and for us, it's that absolute drive of understanding what they exist for, um, being able to get down to those things, get you know, get any of the blocks out of the way and, and move forward. And, and that goes for business as well as as individuals. So any of the work we do with businesses, it's exactly the same. It's helping that business get really, really clear around what they exist for. Um, yeah. you know, what is their purpose? What is their vision? Um, how do they want to go about it in terms of their values? Um, and so you know, it's the exact same process, whether we're working with teams, individuals or businesses. Um, it's all about creating that um, really, really clear purpose, um, removing the roadblocks and, and, and feeling that they have choice. Fantastic, mate. That's a, a, a good recap. So moving into these these questions that you've been sweating on, for the last 50 minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, I, and I don't know this about you, so it might be something that you're not into, but do you have any kind of favourite music that you like to listen to? I, um, I, I'm i one of those, I know this sounds really generic, but I, I like a lot of different type of music. And um, yep. I grew up with um, grand, one side of my grandparents had Kenny Rogers in the car every time you jump in the in the car. So I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Kenny Rogers was a, a bit of a long term favourite because I just grew up grew up listening to it. But um, uh, you know, we had anywhere from uh, in our household growing up was Doctor Hook or the Eagles or uh, you know a big range of, of music, and so I, I love a lot of that. But um, stuff that I'm into now on a, on a um, that I listen to a lot of is, is Joffy. I you know, probably never heard of him, but uh, it's just really, really easy. He's really, really easy listening music, and um, you know, I listen to a lot of that when. Um, so Shoffy, S H O F F Y. Um, I listen to a fair bit of his his stuff now. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, really, Eric was. I I love a, a huge range of music. That's a, a good answer. I think it's really important to have a wide and varied, um, yeah, genre of music that you listen to because I, I think music's one of those things, or for me particularly, um, and I'm, a lot of people that I talk to, it, it can take you back, transport you to a place in time and whether that's good or bad or indifferent, um, you know, you can pinpoint music to, you know, obviously if you've explained that, you know, in your grandparents' car with 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 the music blaring, so you know it, it can take you back to a spot in in time. So that's really um, poison, music, poison, leopard. Uh, yeah. they all take me to a different stage in life as well. 
Uh, I can't imagine you with long hair and you know. I had the dead set mullet in uh, in year twelve. The yeah. know, shaved short back and the long the long yeah. mullet yeah. earring and yeah, pretty, pretty hard to imagine how I was, but I was there. You'd be um you'd be right in vogue at the moment, mate. You'd, you'd fit in nicely. <laughs> That's it. With my that son is original, but <laughs> no, yeah, no, you could bring out the photos. What about a favourite quote? Yeah, so Dr. Wayne Dwyer, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's certainly uh, over the last few years, that certainly became a real favourite, become a real favourite for me. Yep. I think that one would have resonated with a lot of people, particularly over the past three years, you know, with COVID and, and a lot of change and, and that, and it's, I suppose it's the way you look at it and, um, you know, you could have, yeah, it could leave you either one down earth, um, two separate paths depending on which way you wanted to look at that. Um, and the tough question, which I asked you prior to coming, pressing the record button, but if you had the option or the opportunity to invite five people around to dinner, and I know that apart from being an author and a and a poet and an artist, you're a bit of a you're like um, displaying your culinary expertise on Instagram a little bit, um, and you were going to cook a meal for five people. And look, we're going to exclude family because I know family is important to you as well and they would probably take up the spot straight away. But if you could invite five people to a dinner um, that you were cooking, um, dead or alive, whether you've met them or not, um, excluding family, who would those five people be? Yeah, you're, you're pushing me down a line here, was, but I don't normally talk about these things, right? So it's right. Uh, I'm, um, I, I was Christian Catholic, but I wouldn't call myself religious. Um, yep. I've always had an inner belief around the fact that there's more. So I've never had a question mark around there, yep. there's more, but I've had certainly had many question marks around religion. Um, yep. But for me, um, I'm going to put them in the same bucket, but Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And um, so for me, um, it's one of those things I probably can't explain why. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mary Magdalene. Um, but for me... Um, I certainly know that I'd have a lot of questions for Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Um, so I'm going to put those two down definitely. Um, yep. Uh, Buddha, again, yep. probably covering the same theme, but um, you know, there's a lot that we don't know, but there's been some pretty big influential figures, I guess, um, that I'd love to know more more about or more from. Um, in that one, um, Phil Jackson from the Bulls. Yeah, uh, just the, that era was just amazing, um, and um, you know a lot of a lot of what they put in place then is certainly um, a lot of the basis for, for elite sports now. And so, um, a lot of those practices are coming back in. So, I'd, I'd love to to pick his brain and um, and one that um, I certainly didn't know his name. A few years ago, but um, but are intrigued, very intrigued around his work now, which is Joe Dispenza. Um, and so, for anyone that hasn't looked at Joe Dispenza's work, um, it probably falls into that category. Was of there's something there that like you said before something happened, but I'm not really sure how. Yeah. Um, 
his work falls into that category. And so, um, yeah, I'd certainly love to pick his brain over over a nice dinner. I think um, most of what you've most of your guests, it's all comes back to one word, and that's curiosity. I think it's really important that we all have curiosity. But having said about the Bulls and and Scotty Pippen's been out and about doing all the stuff at the moment. I did. It was my birthday last week, and I did actually put a a, a little subtle hint out into the into our family group on Facebook saying. Oh, it would be really great to go to an NBL game. Scotty Pippen's going to be there and it didn't work, so which is a bit of a bugger. But I was in Melbourne, but, in Melbourne last week was and I uh, had my son with me and um he'd gone off and done some stuff and caught up with me later on and he said to me, Dad, you would not believe who I was following today when I was walking. Oh. So who is it? Scotty Pippen. <laughs> Uh, there was no Michael Jordan without Scotty Pippen, so yeah, he's very underrated. And he would as list like um yeah, like having um the Messiah walk into the room. He would have been. He was um yeah, um as far as basketball goes, that we uh, would have wouldn't have minded meeting him. But he obviously was here doing the rounds because he was at the NRL last night, the AFL on Saturday, basketball on Friday. <laughs> he's done he's done well for himself and um probably getting well looked after. Well, mate um. Yeah, we've just ticked over an hour and I said we'd probably be 40 minutes, but um, I really appreciate your time. I always love having a chat with you. It's, um, yeah, that word curiosity pops up a fair bit when our chats come, uh, when we have our chats. So it's, uh, it's good and I love the work that you're doing. And, um, you know, if, if anyone wants to find you, where do people connect with you? That would be a, a good way to finish off. Yeah, so uh, Minds on Purpose is our business. So www.mindsonpurpose um, is the best way that you'll you'll find us. Um, we're also on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, but uh, our you know, phone number details, email details are, are on all of those platforms. So please reach out. We'd love just to have a, a, a chat if you're curious about uh, about what we do or how it can help you as an individual or your team or your business um please feel free to uh to reach out and, and we'd love to have a chat good on you mate well i appreciate your time and um take care and we'll catch up soon for a coffee i'm sure and Thanks, um Austin. yeah lastly, keep doing we, what you're doing lastly before we do close out i just wanted to put a, a thank you out to you because we have known each other for a while and um i've always felt your support and so yep. that's one thing that um, now we don't we don't talk every week, but um, I certainly know that you're there, um, and you consistently like and follow the things that I do. Um, you always prop me up, mate. So that's a, a real big heartfelt thank you um, for for your support. No, nah, it's a pleasure, mate, and, and likewise, you know. Um, some of those phone calls during COVID that we had um, when you just randomly called me out of the blue um, kept me going and probably wouldn't be where I am right at this minute. Um, I'd probably be still sitting on a tractor somewhere doing some work instead of, um, you know, doing what I'm doing at the moment. So likewise, mate, really appreciate that. So, and obviously as again, you know, thanks for jumping on, um, spending an hour with me chatting and uh, hopefully um, people got a lot out of what we talked about. So thanks again. Thanks, Foss. Chat soon. Cheers. See you, mate. 
Thanks for joining me on today's podcast and I appreciate any feedback and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of the Beyond the Back Paddock podcast.